The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you so much for joining me today. As usual, you know that this show is about busting the myths, and clarifying the facts. So with that said, let me expound on that a little and say that most of us want to do the right thing. We want to protect ourselves and our children, and other people actually for that matter, to the best of our ability. However, breastfeeding mothers often don't know what's safe and what's not. Do you feel fairly confident about what's safe for your baby in utero? But maybe you're not so sure about what's safe for your baby who is a breastfed baby. Pregnancy and breastfeeding are two different things. Are you wondering about whether certain foods or cosmetics or diagnostic procedures or other things like hot tubs are okay if you're a lactating mother? Maybe you've wondered if it's okay to have sex while you're lactating. Of course, it's always about weighing the risks and the benefits. But sometimes the information that you need or are trying to find isn't always all that clear. So what I'm going to do today is to help you to think a little bit about what's a myth and what's a fact And how do we get those all untangled so that we can make the best decisions for ourselves and for our children? Let me start out by talking about things that I would call, in general, cosmetics. Because people ask me about this all the time. For example, I guess a permanent is not exactly a cosmetic, but I don't know what else to call it. You go to the hairdresser. You think you want a permanent in your hair because you always have a permanent in your hair, but you're really not so sure because you've heard a whole flock of myths. For example, I have heard the myth that it's not safe, and I've also heard the myth that it won't take. Now, I'm not a hairdresser, obviously, and I don't think I've ever had a permanent in my own hair, but as far as I know... The permanent takes. If you pay the hairdresser, or I would suppose even if you do your own, there's really no reason why it wouldn't take. So I, I don't think that's an issue. We certainly don't have any scientific evidence that it won't take. 
Permanents in general are not a problem for breastfeeding women. So basically, as far as I know, there's no evidence that hair permanents have any adverse effect on the safety of the mother's milk or her milk production. And as far as I know, they all work. So honestly, I think it's really important for you to look like you think you ought to look. And if that means getting a permanent in your hair, absent any other reason that might be floating around out there uh, about your particular situation, I would say there's really no reason not to. So that brings me then to hair color. You want to color your hair? All right, well, let's talk about that. Guess what the questions are? Pretty much the same as what I was just saying. Number one, will it take? And number two, is it safe if you're a breastfeeding mother? To my knowledge, there is no evidence to suggest that hair dyes have any adverse effect on the nursing mother's milk or on her milk production. Why so? Well, let's think about this. You're putting the product onto your scalp, right? Or somebody else is putting the product onto your scalp. So if your your scalp is healthy and intact, the scalp is really fairly impenetrable. That is, things don't go through it, right? Now, if your scalp is scratched or abraded, then it is more likely that the product would be absorbed into your circulation through your skin. So you should probably be aware of that. You should also be aware of things like allergies. For example, there are some people who are just plain allergic to the product. Now, I'm not going to go there because that has to do with just anybody. I'm really confining my comments here to breastfeeding. But I do want to offer you a couple of words of caution. Do not put the hair color on yourself or on someone else. I just said that having a product on your scalp was unlikely to be a problem because the healthy, intact skin is impenetrable. However, I didn't say anything about fingers, okay? Now, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, oh, yeah, Marie, Marie, how about if I use the gloves? Well, in theory, that might be okay. But we all know that gloves have small holes or rips, or sometimes they even rip in the process. So I would suggest that if you are going to use the hair product on your head, Ask someone else, a friend or a professional would be even better, to actually apply that for you. I think I'd also like to make another disclaimer here because I have not read this in quite some time, but I believe it to still be true, that you would not want to use a product that contains bleach on your head. Again, I'm not a hairdresser. I'm not a physician. This is just my understanding, but somehow I have been under the impression that the bleach is different than actual color. So if you're thinking about bleaching your hair, you need to get more information than what I can give. 
I would, however, be eager to say, if this is what it takes for you to feel good about yourself, you've got to make some decisions, you've got to get some good answers, but don't go around feeling bad about yourself or feeling like just because you're breastfeeding, you have to give up your your whatever, all right? Okay, how about hairspray? You know, I feel a little silly talking about all this stuff because I don't actually use it much. Uh, I did... I went somewhere a couple of days ago where I had to look a little bit better than usual. So I did put a little spray on my hair, but generally I just don't like this stuff. But I know that other people do. So with hairspray, is it safe? The answer is yes. But it does have a distinct odor, and that may be a problem. Let me explain why. Most babies are very sensitive to odors. And so they might not be willing to nurse or they might not nurse as much if the smell bothers them. And this is true, especially for very small babies. I would also suggest to you that especially when the baby is a few days old, I would definitely refrain from anything that had a smell that might interfere with the smell that the baby wants to smell, meaning the baby wants to smell the mother and he wants to smell her milk. And by the way, if you really want me to talk, I could talk all day about how he also wants to smell sweat. These are the things that babies like. They like mother's scent. They like to smell sweat. They like to smell milk. So if the hairspray has an odor to it, that may be bothersome to the baby, may kind of turn him off and he may be reluctant to breastfeed. Here's another one, perfume. Don't wear perfume, especially in those first few days, and be careful with it thereafter. Similarly, if you have deodorant that has some sort of fragrance to it. I'm not saying don't do it, but I'm saying especially when breastfeeding is first getting started, and the baby is really relying on his nose to get him to where he's going, I would suggest that you, like, skip anything that has some sort of scent to it because he needs to smell you, he needs to smell your sweat, he needs to smell your aroma, uh, milk, excuse me. Oops, got a little off there. Okay, what about nail polish and nail polish remover? This is a little hard to explain. And I'll tell you why, because I'm not sure that we have all the information that we need to have about the hair, uh, excuse me, the nail polish. Nail polish isn't the sort of thing that you want to be slathering on your fingers when you're pregnant. It is my understanding that it contains phthalates. And I'm saying phthalates, you spell that P-H-T-H-A-L-A. T-E-S. And you should look this up for yourself. P-H-T-H-A-L-A-T-E-S. The phthalates are sometimes, and I know that they're sometimes, I just don't know if they're in all nail polishes, but the idea is that it makes the nail polish flexible and chip resistance. Now, some of the phthalates are banned in Europe, and some big American companies are starting to pull them out of their nail polishes as well. But I would be careful. I would just, like, put that in my brain, look that up some more, be a little bit more careful. 
there are uh, there there have been research studies that show that these can cause cancer and or reproductive anomalies in lab animals. Now, you should be backing up a minute and you should be saying, wait a minute, but my kid is not a lab animal. Got it. Okay. You should also be saying, but Marie, aren't we talking about breastfeeding, not pregnancy? Yes, we are. But I do want to say that this is still something that bothers me a little bit, so I want to mention it. By the way, here in the United States, the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, still deems that the chemical, the phthalates, are safe in the nail polish, and yet critics say that these studies are too small, really, to tell us whether or not they are safe. There are other chemicals of concern that are in the nail polish, such as, uh, for example, formaldehyde, and these can be absorbed through the skin and the nails. Again, I don't want to go too deep into this, obviously, I did not go to school to learn about phthalates or formaldehydes or carcinogens or anything else. I don't work for the EPA. I don't understand these things as well as I would like to. But I think that if I were going to use those products, I would be careful to look up a little bit more. And so my objective here is not to give you an exact directive, but rather to help you to understand that maybe we don't have all the information on this and maybe you should be looking this up before you go too hog wild with it. In my case, I usually feel like I like to err on the conservative side, but you may not feel that way. So it's up to you really to get some more information before you go too far. All right, so then in this segment, pretty much, What we've done is we have talked about permanence, that is hair permanence, hair color, hairspray, nail polish and nail polish remover. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about body art and some other stuff. Okay, I'm Marie Biancuto. Don't go away. We'll be right back. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash donor. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. New Angel manufactures environmentally friendly and hypoallergenic cotton products for breastfeeding mothers and their new angels. Feel the difference. Soft, absorbent, and breathable. Patented, patent-pending, and award-winning products designed by a certified lactation consultant. Look for New Angel biodegradable, disposable, and cotton-washable nursing pads, natural cotton products, and other unique items. Made by mothers for mothers in the USA. By N-U-A-N-G-E-L for your New Angel at www.newangel.com and www.amazon.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Your life, your health. 
your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed. I'm really happy to be with you here today as I talk about some of these things. Over the years, I've gotten all of these questions about, is this okay? Is this okay? Is this okay? Is this okay if I'm breastfeeding? So I hope that I'm going to be able to help you to sort out some of the facts, bust some of the myths, and help you to make up your own mind about whether or not you really want to pursue this whatever, whatever that I'm talking about. Before we go on, though, I'd just like to remind you that New Angel, which is a woman-owned business, has helped to make this show possible today. I would encourage you to look at their website. It's www.newangel.com. And that is www.nuangel.com. Check it out. Lots of cool products there for you and for your baby, whether the baby is breastfed or not. And also, if you don't like going to the website, just remember, they have now begun to have some of their products at Walmart. Check out those new 100% cotton breast pads. I'm a big fan of cotton breast pads, and these are 100% cotton. All right. So as promised, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about some body art. Let me start with tattoos. First of all, as many as 50% of the young adults aged 50 through 30 have tattoos. So if you're feeling like you've kind of don't really want to raise this question because you're feeling like maybe nobody else is raised the question or they'll think you're odd. No, not so much so. We know that pretty much we've got a lot of people out there for whom tattoos are what they have and what they do. I would say, however, that postpartum women do tend to get uh, tattoos and that's probably okay People ask, for instance, about the ink. Um, It's really not the ink that's the problem. The more likely problem would be that the tattoo is applied with needles. And needles should not be a problem if they are sterile needles and they're not carrying any germs. So, One of the ways that I would suggest that you protect yourself against that as a possible problem is make sure that you are getting your tattoo at a place that is reputable, that you know about, and that you've had some either experience yourself or that one of your friends can give a thumbs up to. I would also say that don't even consider visiting an unlicensed tattoo artist because that is likely to pose a huge risk 
for hygiene issues, all right? You don't want to mess with this. You can have all sorts of infections. Certainly, um, HIV is one of them that comes to my mind, but it could be MRSA. It could be hepatitis. Don't mess with this. So the big key here is just be sure that you know what you're getting into and who you're hiring to do the job. Okay, so what about nipple piercing? A lot of people will ask me, well, what's the impact on breastfeeding, if any? And what have you got to do? And what about infection? And what about, what about, and is it okay? Well, first of all, I would suggest that if you're thinking about piercing your nipples, do it well before pregnancy. And some people will say the longer before pregnancy, the better. On the other end of the spectrum, if you have already been pregnant and you've already breastfed your baby and you've already weaned, some experts will suggest that if you're going to have your nipples pierced, do it three months after weaning. I don't entirely understand that, but my guess would be that the breasts really need time to go back to the way that they were before they were pregnant. And that is that does not happen overnight. Okay, if your baby has his last slurp of breast milk this afternoon, that does not mean that your breasts are instantly going back to the way that they were before pregnancy tonight. It just doesn't work that way. It takes a little time. So uh, one of the things that I would then really try to emphasize to you is if you have a nipple piercing, make sure that you take the jewelry out before the baby breastfeeds. Why so? The big thing is choking. You don't want that nipple ring or whatever you have to get dislodged and have the baby choke on it. So you need to take the jewelry out each time, every time before the baby breastfeeds. Just to give you a little reality check here, in case you're thinking about doing it, Remember that the breastfed baby in the early days may be breastfeeding as often as every hour or hour and a half. Now, it won't be that much later, but to me, that would be a pretty big nuisance. Now, I have read the research and I've also gathered information from real life people. There's mixed information on whether or not the holes will uh, knit back together if you leave the jewelry out. Some will say yes, and others will say no, not a problem. So I don't really know what to tell you there. I will say this. I went for sort of a three-week, I'm not sure if I'd call it a vacation. It was kind of a a working sabbatical. And I didn't put my earrings in for three weeks. And I will tell you that my ears have been pierced since I was probably 20 years old. And I very much could tell that there was, at the end of that three weeks, one hole that kind of wanted to knit back together. So one woman's experience should not drive your experience or your information, but I would say it certainly made me more inclined to believe that, yes, 
knitting back together. And I've heard that certainly from people who have had piercings of their nipple, uh, that that could be a problem. All right. So here's the next thing that I get is what about infection? Well, let's back up a minute. Let's just talk about infection of any kind of body piercing, not just your nipples, but your ears or any other place. Infection is a possibility, okay? It is absolutely a possibility. You could have some other issues, too. And by the way, infection could be hepatitis B, hepatitis C, HIV, whatever else I just mentioned, or some other things probably that I haven't mentioned or thought of. But you could also have some other issues. Rejection of the jewelry, embedding of the jewelry. I had one woman tell me about how she had the nipple ring in her belly button, got pregnant, and then basically couldn't get it out. Development of a metal allergy, so be careful with that. Uh, Certainly bleeding or scar tissue. I can think of one particular woman that had this kind of lumpy piece of scar tissue underneath where her piercing used to be. She was very concerned about it. You know, honestly, it seemed to not be causing her any problem, but she really was very, her anxiety level, I guess is what I mean to say, was substantial. Okay, so all piercing have have risks. Certainly, you could have damage to the milk ducts. I'm not saying it will happen. I'm saying it could happen. Uh, things like mastitis, abscess, reduced sensitivity of the nipple or hypersensitivity of the nipple, tearing is a possibility, or prolonged healing. So just letting you know, not to say these things will happen, but in the effort to have you informed before you make the decision, that would be one of the things that I would look at. I know that I talked a little bit about risks for the baby, choking, gagging, slurping, all of those things are possible. Baby could also have trauma to the gums and the teeth. If if you have not taken out the jewelry, any of these things could be possibilities. There's certainly the possibility that the baby might not get enough milk. Now, why so? Well, because sometimes the milk kind of squirts out the side, and I'm not even sure that squirt is the right word. But yeah, um, I don't want you to feel like you should spend a whole lot of time worrying about that, but it certainly is a possibility. As you may know, allergies and infections can happen with any body piercing. Actually, the last statistic that I read was that about 7.9% of uh, people report allergic reactions associated with body piercing. And we were talking about uh, tattoos before. About 19% identified allergies associated with temporary henna-based tattoos. Now, that's temporary henna-based. The prevalence of jewelry allergy increases with the number of piercings. So, again, I would just say beware, make up your own mind. Now, before we go to break, I promised you also that I would answer the question on, is it okay to have sex if I'm breastfeeding? And the answer is a resounding yes. 
it is absolutely okay unless there's some other reason for you to not be having sex. But breastfeeding in and of itself should not be a problem. I would suggest to you, however, that you may find that you have leaking or squirting during uh, sexual intercourse, and that's because of that oxytocin. The same hormone that helps you to let down the milk doesn't care when it lets down the milk. And so, therefore, if you experience an orgasm, you may find yourself squirting. And uh, that's not necessarily a problem, but I do want you to be forewarned. Okay. More coming on this show. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health & Wellness. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. New Angel manufactures environmentally friendly and hypoallergenic cotton products for breastfeeding mothers and their new angels. Feel the difference. Soft, absorbent, and breathable. Patented, patent-pending, and award-winning products designed by a certified lactation consultant. Look for New Angel biodegradable, disposable, and cotton-washable nursing pads, natural cotton products, and other unique items. Made by mothers for mothers in the USA. By N-U-A-N-G-E-L for your new angel at www.newangel.com and www.amazon.com. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I would really like to invite you to ask questions. I can't invite you to ask questions today because I'm pre-recording this in anticipation of being in Atlanta next week where I will be giving my uh, lactation review course for professionals. 
However, I would say if you have questions, please feel free to shoot me an email and I will be able to get your questions via email. I will do my best to answer them on a show when I get back into my office, into my chair and recording live. So in the meanwhile, here's the deal. Send me your questions. I totally love questions. I actually kind of thrive on questions, actually. So here it is. It's radio at borntobebreastfed.com. I will repeat that. Send me questions at radio at borntobebreastfed.com. All righty then. We've been talking about is it okay, is it okay, is it okay, and we started out by talking about things that were mostly hair and cosmetics and nails and that kind of stuff, and then we moved to a body piercing and tattoos and other such things, and now I'd like to move to what I have basically called fun in the sun and tanning and more. So, first one, sunscreen. Um, I'm not aware of any evidence that shows a problem for the mother's milk or the baby's safety if the mother uses sunscreen products. Why so? Well, because, again, these are just applied to the skin, and it is unlikely that much would be absorbed through the skin, so I don't think that's a whole great big deal. I do want to warn, though, that sunscreen can cause a local allergy, and that's whether you're breastfeeding or not. So I say this because this most definitely happened to me. So it seems wise that you should know that sunscreen, even if you've used it before, maybe you're using a different product, or maybe it's just, you know, remember, allergies can develop at any time. Allergies can develop as a little kid. Allergies can develop when you're in your 20s or 30s or 40s or even as a geriatric. And the other end of the spectrum as well, allergies can go away at any time. So just be careful with that. Okay. People have asked me, is it okay if I use a tanning bed? Well, let's just back up a minute. Sometimes people that are using tanning beds are given a supplement of carotene to enhance the tanning. So don't take the supplement of carotene if you are a breastfeeding mother. In general, though, use some common sense, and if you're planning to tan, either do it in regular outdoor sunlight or in a commercially available tanning situation, but not using the beta-carotene. So, let's just talk about those tanning beds for just a moment. Uh, Tanning beds, here what happens is you're exposed through the skin. And there is no evidence to suggest that tanning beds in and of themselves are harmful to the mother's milk and no evidence that they would be toxic to the baby who would be later breastfeeding. Okay, I hope I'm making myself clear. You're you're not going to put the baby under the tanning bed, certainly, right? You're talking about putting yourself on the tanning bed. So, I would, however, say that there are plenty of anecdotal reports from mothers who have had burns on their nipples and breasts when using the tanning bed. 
As you might imagine, this is very painful. So either avoid using the tanning bed or cover your nipples and breasts before using the tanning bed. I do want to give a word of warning. It does appear that there's a link between tanning beds and malignant melanoma. So before you run off and use the tanning bed, you may want to look at the benefits, the risks, and the alternatives. For example, one alternative might be, can you just use one of those self-tanning products? All right, well, let's talk about self-tanning products. Self-tanning products can include tanning booths, airbrush tanning, spray-on tanning, or UV-free tanning. They are categorized as self-tanning products. I I really can't say that I've ever read any clear scientific evidence on this. But if it were on my body, I would either make sure these products were not on the nipples or I would be sure to wash them off before breastfeeding the baby. That's not to necessarily say that these products are necessarily bad or necessarily harmful, but without good evidence, sometimes it's good to just take some simple precautions. So that would be where I would be with that. Okay, the next question that I get is, well, Marie, what about hot tubs? Will that spoil my milk or anything? Okay, let's back up about 14 steps here. Remember that a a hot tub contains hot water. And hot water is an ideal medium for bad organisms to grow. That is germs. All right. I also want to say that I personally think that there's a difference between whether this is a hot tub that is sitting out on your back deck that belongs to you, or whether it's one of those hot tubs like you get maybe in your hotel room, or if you are talking about a hot tub that you would get that is what I kind of think of as public. It might, in fact, be a hotel, but I suppose it could be other places. I usually see them in hotels because I travel so much. But in other words, it's one where multiple people can get in at the same time. So keep all of that in mind while I give you my little deal here on hot tubs. If the tub is clean and well-maintained, you probably don't have much to worry about. If it's a public one, I might worry more. Why so? Well, because there could be other people in the tub, either with you or maybe somebody that just climbed out, you know, two minutes before you showed up. So pathogens, that is germs or bad organisms that are found in hot tubs can really create a a whole bunch of infections or issues. It might be... It might be just a simple rash. It could be a germ that would create, for instance, a urinary tract infection. Well, you know, those things are probably not all that big of a deal. They're definitely an inconvenience. You need treatment, etc. But it could be something much worse. It could be something like hepatitis 
or something like Legionnaire's disease or anything in between. Now, I just mentioned here about a public hot tub. Remember that if other people can get into that tub, either with you or shortly before you, remember that people can defecate in the tub. If defecate is too big of a word for you, let me spell it right out. They can poop in the tub. And that's really, really not good. Okay? So you're going to come back and you're going to say, yeah, but Marie, doesn't the tub have chlorine in it? Well, yeah, it does. But the chlorine doesn't kill the germs immediately. So you may have exposed yourself and your nipples to those germs. Just saying. Okay? So... Let's get clear here. You need to get clear between what you're doing in the tub and what you're not doing in the tub. So far, all I've been talking about is you, you getting in the tub or you getting in the tanning bed or whatever. But I definitely want to warn you against nursing your baby in the tub. You don't want to nurse your baby in the tub. The Centers for Disease Control warn against breastfeeding in the hot tub, and they give a whole page. Let me just see here. I had this out earlier. Let me see if I can grab this. It was at least a page. Oh, yikes. It's actually two pages worth of, well, page and a half of potential risks of breastfeeding babies in pools or hot tubs or spas and the risk of swallowing the water. And this is on the site for the Centers for Disease Control. So basically, the answer is don't breastfeed the baby in the tub. So that's really very different from the woman who is just a lactating woman and she's climbing in the tub and then she's nursing her baby later. Now, it's also different. You were probably advised not to get in the hot tub when you were pregnant. Well, okay, that's different because with pregnancy, the issue is not, it's trying to avoid overheating the mother's baby, the body, because the mother's baby is inside of her body and that can affect development. So with breastfeeding, basically, I would say it's okay to use the hot tub with a couple of big ifs attached. First of all, make sure that the tub is clean like squeaky clean, and also remember a few practical things. First of all, the warmth can add to a feeling of engorgement or swelling in some people's breasts. It may or may not affect you that way. But the other thing is, most definitely, the warmth generally will bring on the milk just the way that it brings on the relaxation. Put the warmth and the relaxation together, and what you may find is you may find that you are, in fact, actually emitting your milk into the water. That might not be something that you want to do. And if you are in a public tub, you may be advertising to the whole world that you're emitting your milk into the tub. So, just saying, okay? And... and that may happen less, by the way, if you breastfeed your baby, baby baby immediately before you go in the tub or if you pump just before you go in the tub. That will reduce that possibility. And some mothers will ask if it's going to make your milk curdle. The answer is no, 
is there any real adverse effect, I would say, other than the the filth or the possible germs? No. But if everything's clean, I think you're good to go. People will also ask me, what about going into a steam room? Answer, we don't really have any data on that, but I would caution against it. Possibly you could find yourself dehydrated. It could substantially lower your blood pressure. I'm not saying it will, but I'm saying I would check with your doctor before you even thought about doing that. Okay, then. I'm Marie Biancuzo. When we come back, we'll talk about diagnostic procedures. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you so much for joining me. We've been talking about, is it okay? Is it okay if I whatever? When I'm breastfeeding. And one of the things that comes up sometimes is about diagnostic procedures. Uh, Certainly, mammogram is one that comes up frequently, but it wouldn't have to be a mammogram. I I just want to start out by saying, in general, about diagnostic procedures. Here's the clunker women are often told that they must wean before they have a diagnostic procedure or that they need to pump and dump or any other number of directives, which it seems to me are based more on fear than on science. Uh, 
there certainly could be situations where you needed to wean or where you needed to pump your milk and throw it away. But those would be not very common. All right. So here's what I want to do. I want to get you straight a little bit about diagnostic procedures. First of all, you've heard me say this before, but anytime somebody tells you to pump and dump for 24 hours, 24 hours is very much an arbitrary number. So that always kind of like sets me to asking more questions. I think it's also important for you to understand that uh, diagnostic imaging techniques are a lot more difficult to interpret when the mother has milk in her breasts. It's not impossible, certainly, but you really need a person who is very, very skilled And if you can put the diagnostic off, that would probably be better, but sometimes that's not possible. If they ask you to wean, know that in most cases that is not really necessary, so I would be asking a lot of questions. Now, here's the other piece. Abrupt weaning generally should be avoided. So don't find yourself thinking, well, I don't know, this is pretty scary. Maybe I should just err on the conservative side. Well, remember, this is always, as I've said so many times, it's really about the risk and the benefit. So let's talk a little bit about abrupt weeding and its risks. There's there's going to be some milk in your breasts after you wean if the baby has his last slurp right this moment, your breasts are not going to be totally empty five minutes later, okay? So, if you need to go for a diagnostic procedure, the best thing to do would be to empty your breasts as much as you possibly can and make sure that you have somebody who is interpreting that test who is very experienced, okay? Next thing. I'd like you to take a look at what the Yale School of Medicine says because they have some very clear instructions for women who are having diagnostic imaging. I would think that Yale School of Medicine would be pretty credible. And that is radiology.yale.edu slash patient care slash policies slash breastfeeding dot ASPX. So they start out by saying that they ask all women of childbearing age if they are pregnant or breastfeeding. Okay, good deal. Got it. That's a fair question. And then they say that if the woman is breastfeeding, and I quote, for all non-contrast exams, including nuclear medicine exams, routine imaging proceeds. So they're talking there about something that is a non-contrast exam. So then they say, well, for instance, an MRI would be a non, that, that would be not using contrast media. So then they talk about for all IV iodinated contrast and gandolinium. This is coming from Yale, but they're quoting the American College of Radiology, the ACR, and they say that the American College of Radiology guidelines state that contrast administration to the mother is considered 
safe for both the baby and the nursing mothers. Mother. And this is a quote. Mothers who are breastfeeding should be given the opportunity to make an informed decision as to whether to continue or temporarily abstain from breastfeeding after receiving IV contrast. If the mother remains concerned about any potential ill effects to the infant, she may abstain from breastfeeding for 24 hours. I don't know where they got that number. With active expression, that means express your milk by hand or or, uh, by pump, and discarding of breast milk from both breasts during that period. By the way, notice they said if she remains concerned. They're not saying that this is a directive. In anticipation of this, so this is the continuation of the quote. In anticipation of this, she may wish to use a breast pump to obtain milk before the contrast study to feed the infant during the 24-hour period following the examination. For all breastfeeding patients who are scheduled for nuclear medicine exams and or procedures, the diagnostic radiology attending physician must be consulted prior to any testing performed. Okay, so I'm hoping that that is somewhat helpful. Another place that you might want to check out is www.radiologyinfo.org slash en slash info dot cmf question mark pg equals b-r-e-a-s-t-m-r. So I want to be very clear. I am not a physician. I am not a radiologist. I'm not even a tech in, in one of those situations. I want to encourage you to raise the right questions, look at uh, credible websites, and I've given you at least two or three here that I hope you would be help, uh, uh, find helpful. A brief word about foods, because you know we could talk about those all day long. Uh, is it okay to have gassy foods? Yes. Is it okay to have chocolates? Yes. Will either of those things bother your baby? Possibly. In general, though, I would say that foods are way overrated. It's usually not that big of a deal. (sighs) That's all the time we have today. I would hope that this has been helpful and I'd invite you again to ask questions. Please visit my website at borntobebreastfed.com for a preview of what's coming up. And if you're interested in professional continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. I will be in Atlanta this coming week and then I will later be just outside of the um, Newark airport. Then I will be just outside of the Baltimore-Washington airport. I just came back from San Diego. I think that's where I came back from, yes. And I will be in Boston and some other cities that I can't even remember. (laughs) Oh, Dallas. Going to Dallas, too. can hardly remember sometimes where I'm going. So those are for professionals if you're interested. Again, if you're a parent, it's borntobebreastfed.com. If you are a professional, it's breastfeedingoutlook.com. 
I'm Marie Biancuto, and I promise that I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Bye-bye now. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.